Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hi, I'm Ellie Compulsive Overeater. And Vincent, thank you so much for asking me to share my experience, strength, and hope. And um, and I'd like to welcome all the newcomers. And the most important word that I can say is hope. When I came to OA 13 years ago, almost 14 now, I was I was out of ideas. I just couldn't do one more diet. I I just couldn't. And what I found in the rooms was looking at people's faces and generally seeing calmness and serenity and a light shining through them. And just as important at the time, those people who talked had been maintaining their weight for years. And to me, that was unbelievable. So my history is that I have always overeaten. I can't tell you that I was born an overeater. I don't believe that I was. I do believe that there are circumstances that led me to that. What I will say, and I find it interesting, I had been in Florida during the uh outbreak of coronavirus, and I have an opportunity to go through some old pictures that my father had saved and was now with my brother and sister-in-law. And I saw myself at really early ages, and at four, I was thin. At six, I was getting plumper, and I know from my mother that when I was eight years old, she gave me what I thought was di- uh, was uh, allergy pills, but in fact they were diet pills. Her doctor had recommended that he do that, that she do that for me. And the idea was that instead of eating two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when I got home, that I would only eat one. So I imagine someplace between six and eight, my using food to comfort myself had started. I had always been on diets starting then, and I was very good at diets. You know, I'm very good at following orders and being organized. And I would uh, go on the diet. I would lose the weight that I needed to lose, and then I would start eating just like I always did, and inevitably, I would put the weight back on. So, I have weighed between 100 pounds and 150 pounds. I am five foot one and shrinking, and... Right now, this morning I weighed myself, and I weigh 111 pounds. 
So I can't even say I'm in the middle, but the pendulum has swung both ways, and I am in a normal range, normal weight range. I have given up uh, 37 pounds. At times it has been less. Um, and I've been a size 2, and I've been a size 12. I'm now wearing a size 4 in pants and a small top. I know you can't see me, but that's what I'm wearing. So, um, I had tried a lot of different diets, and as I said, always very successful on them. In 2006, in early June of 2006, my husband of 27 years told me that he would like a divorce, that he wasn't happy, and he knew that I wasn't happy. So I moved out of the house and went to live with a friend of mine who lived on Roxbury Drive in Beverly Hills. And as much as I may have thought that I wanted to no longer be with him, it doesn't mean that I didn't feel the hurt, the pain, the rejection, the loss, all of that. And again, I turned to what I knew, which was food. And I knew food because I saw my mother do that. She would take peanut butter and a knife or a spoon in her case and eat it out of the jar in the evenings. She was a lovely woman. She was very logical. And she was unable to express anything but positive emotions. So when she was happy, she could express that. When she was proud of you, she could express that. When she was angry, she shut down. And I'm not faulting her, but I learned that as coping mechanisms to shut down, not reply, and to eat to soothe myself. So there I am in 2006. and. By November, um, I had just finished off a packet of Ritz crackers, all of them. And I grabbed the skin around my diaphragm, and I heard that voice in my head say, fat and ugly. And I, of course, always heard it as one word, fat and ugly. And... I was 59 and a half at that time, and I just did not want to spend what I considered the next third of my life, God willing, uh, fighting with the food and hating myself. And one day I went for a walk, and I walked to Roxbury Park, and I was seated on a bench behind the community center. And it was a little after 12, and I saw two women on a bench, and they had gotten up, so I moved over because it was in the sun. And on that bench was a 12-stepper, which for those of you out of town is our newsletter, which lists 
all the meetings that we have in L.A. And I saw that right behind where I was seated, there was a 10 o'clock newcomers meeting and there was a 1030 meeting and it was called Serenity Sunday. That was November 19th. One week later, on November 26th, I went to my first meeting. Scared, not sure what I would find. But what I found is what I described before. People who were calm, who were serene, and who had uh, given up their weight. And I also heard people talk about their abstinence in terms of three meals a day and life in between, three meals a day, two snacks, etc. And the message that I finally got was put the fork down. So I figured this is the first day. I've already had my breakfast. Let me see if I can put that fork down. I had lunch after the meeting, and I had dinner. And after dinner, I went to sleep as early as I possibly could so that I wouldn't find the refrigerator or the cupboard. The next morning, I woke up, and I had had my first day of abstinence. A gift and a blessing. And a gift and a blessing that I believe is from my higher power, or the universe, or the great spirit, or nature, or God, or whatever you want to call it. Because, like I said, I was out of ideas. I didn't want to spend what time I had left fighting with the food and hating myself. So I came in. I listened a lot. I got a sponsor. I did what she said. I worked the steps in the OA workbook and the OA uh, 12 and 12. I knew when I came in, I was at step one. I was so ready to admit that I was powerless over food. And my life had become unmanageable. It certainly was. At least for about 50 years, if not more, it had been manageable. And in step two, I came to believe. Finding that 12-stepper to me was, you know, you want to call it coincidence. You want to call it synchronicity. There's a fellow in Arizona who says, is it odd or is it God? So whatever it was, I knew that that is in OA is where I needed to be. So I did come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And sanity means normal thinking around food. It doesn't mean that I was crazy, which of course I might have been anyway, but it means in terms of food, to have soundness of mind. And I did turn my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. 
because my higher power in step two and three, I define my higher power as an he, she, it, because I don't know, as a loving entity in my life that wants the best for me, is unconditionally loving, accepts me just the way I am, gives me lessons to learn. Some of them I don't like, but inevitably things work out perfectly. I looked at my uh, history of blaming other people in step four, and I got to see my character defects, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, uh, my self-righteous indignation, all those wonderful things. <laughs> and I was able to turn that over to my sponsor in step five. And she was so loving and so accepting. It was a blessing. I didn't need to hide anymore. I didn't need to have secrets. In step six, as I said, I saw my character defects and my, or liabilities, and my character assets through the fourth step inventory. And I needed to be ready to turn back everything that no longer worked for me, that got in my way of my interactions with other people. And so in step seven, I humbly ask my higher power, according to the seventh step, prayer, to remove me of all the defects that stand in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. However, what I did was a little bit different. I call it name it and claim it. So it, I would say, Please remove from me my judgment, my self-centeredness, my self-righteousness, and self-righteous indignation, and any other character defect which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Step eight, I made a list of the people that I had harmed, and some of them were deceased. And I had a conversation with my mother in the car. Who was Ellie, you have five minutes, sweetheart. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. I'll try to get through it. So I made my amends to my mother. On a daily best basis, I do step 10, 11, and 12. 10, I continue to take personal inventory and I do spot checks, and I also do a 10th step at night, which I send to my sponsor, and I blind carve in my sponsees. It has my food for the coming day, if I made any changes in the previous day's food. It has a list of gratitudes. My feeling is... It is important to be in, for me to be in gratitude. Eleven, thought through prayer and meditation. That is something that I do every morning. I made, I experimented. There was a period not too long ago, last year as a matter of fact, where I did, gave up for a period of time, 
my prayer meditation, and that did not work for me. I lost whatever sense of serenity and calm I had had. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result, not a result, the result of these steps. I tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all my affairs. So for me, I love working with sponsees. I love taking them through the steps. I like when they can come up with their own higher power who will care for them and guide them and love them. And so I have a lot of sponsees. And I also work with, uh, in big book workshops. I've done that for several years. And now I still do that with sponsees and grand sponsees on Zoom. So we go through the big book paragraph by paragraph. So that's pretty much my whole story up to date. And I have gotten or God has given me, or the universe, or whatever it is, has given me what I asked for. I no longer fight with my food, fight with food, or fight with weight. And I do love myself. So thank you for letting me share. Okay. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are mine. They're my own. And not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon so that Vincent can call on you, and then you can unmute and ask your question. Excellent. Thank you, Ellie. So the first question comes from Don. Hi, Ellie. Thank you for your uh, share, as always. What do you do on a daily basis for your program? Okay. Um, my daily, daily, including um, weekends, well, no, I take that back. My daily uh, practice, I start my day at 5 o'clock. I meditate and pray for 20 minutes. Um, I have a reader that I look at to stimulate something in my head, my heart. Um the meditation that I do, I precede it with a set-aside prayer. So I say the first three steps and the third step prayer. Then I set an alarm for 20 minutes. I meditate. When I'm finished, I say my own third step prayer that I had written out, my own words, and then I also talk to my higher power and thank my higher power for the gifts that I've gotten and also asking him to help me be more patient, tolerant, compassionate, understanding of others and myself. 
um, to speak and act and think with kindness and to direct my thinking. And then there's a list of people that I want looked after. Not necessarily telling God what he should do for them, but just to watch over. When that is over, I then um, get my first sponsee call at a quarter to seven, two days a week. And then at other times uh, throughout the week, I take sponsee calls from about 7.15 to uh, 9. And then I have a few other sponsees that call at different times. So I am constantly working with sponsees. Um, I go to meetings. Not every day, but I do go to meetings. I don't really do too much writing, although when I need to, I write a Dear God letter, which I find really a great exercise. I didn't believe it that you could get an answer that's, I can get an answer that is so loving and kind, whereas my reaction would normally to be, you know, geez, Ellie, what's wrong with you? Why can't you do it this way? You know, that critic. So, and in the evening, as I had mentioned before, I send my food and my gratitudes. And if for any reason I do need to make an amend, I do that. And if I have uh, resentments for any reasons, I find it most helpful to take out a fourth-step inventory form so that I can see who I'm angry at, what the reason is, what parts of self were affected, what I did or may have done, and then where have I been selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful. And I hope that answers your question, Don. Thank you. Uh, Michael B? Uh, Michael, you're on mute. Hold on. Okay, here I am. Hi, Elias. Good to see you. Thank you. Um, good to see you too, Michael. So, um, I don't know. You said your mother didn't um, didn't say any bad. Uh, I've lost the video. Here I am again. I sort of have to yell in the beginning, and then I back off, and then my voice gets ready. Okay. So you said that uh, your mother expressed only good stuff to you, only the positive stuff. I thought, well, wow. There, there's probably a gift in that or something because my caregiver just screamed and yelled. But at any rate, I guess, so how do you, um, so did you find a gift in that that you were, I guess maybe because you weren't unable to express the negative and it's important to express that as well. And yet the literature says resentment is the number one offender. So how do you, how do you, balance between the two and how do you work program to kind of let yourself acknowledge the negativity and stuff in yourself long question yes (laughs) and it sounds as though there's two parts um no i didn't think it was a gift she did the best she could and i understand later 
on through things that I had learned about my mother when I was an adult, some traumatic things that happened to her that caused her to shut down. So I understand that. Um, it wasn't so much a gift for me because I, prior to program, I did more going along with people than expressing my true feelings, my true thoughts, and I wasn't really very authentic. However, since program, I feel that I have come more and more into who is Ellie, you know, that I have as much right to be here, that I am worthy, that I'm lovable, that I am enough, and I'm entitled to my opinion, even if you don't agree with me. So in that case, the gift was not my mother. The gift for me is OA. And when I am angry at someone, because I do have those things, I need to, when I've calmed down, I need to look at my part. And normally my part would be that I had expectations, that they would do it nicely, calmly, you know, considerately. Why aren't they wearing masks? What's wrong with them? You know, and they do what they do. And part of it is that I have to accept that. So is it going to help me to walk around with hate, anger, resentment? Mm -mm. So that that resentment form helps me let go of it and also just turn it over. They're human beings. You know, they're doing the best they can, and I don't control them. Although I might like to, but I don't. I hope that answers your questions. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Ellie. So now we have Nancy B. My name is Nancy Beecham, and I am a compulsive overeater. My darling Ellie, you filled me with joy because you have told this group of people all over the world exactly how to get well, exactly what to do. But I would like from my heart if you would share with us today What's kept you here? I know the amount of service you've done has lit up in front of me constantly. But I'm wondering about the joy. I'm wondering about the coincidence, the inches and seconds where you passed by things going wrong and all of a sudden they were right. The joy, the happiness, the happy, joyous, and free. Tell us a little about things that you do that are different and things that make you smile and why you've stayed here? What's changed for you? What's the light at the end of the tunnel? Thank you, Nancy. First off, I want to say the light at the end of the tunnel is really the light that is shining out through my eyes. So that's part of it. Um, I may not always be happy, joyous, and free, but I am almost always content. And for me, that's great. That's great. Uh, free of the food obsession? Yes, I'm free of the food obsession. Joyous? When the occasion is joyous, I'm joyous. Um, happy? Yes, sometimes happy, but almost always content. 
I have found that I stay because I keep learning about who I am in relation to other people, who I am as a child of a higher power. I keep staying because I have sponsees and I have uh, workshop participants that I want to share with them how you can go from self-hatred to self-love, how you can find the joy in life. Not everything is always going to be perfect, but I have found that even during the pandemic, I have times of feeling at peace. I just have to take it today. Even when it first came out, I would speak to people who would tell me, I'm scared, I'm this, I'm that. And I found that for me, telling them my truth was really good. And my truth was, for today, here and now, I am safe and I am well. And when I stay in the present, Nothing bothers me. If I'm thinking about what I did when my husband divorced me or what I'm going to do when I go back to Florida, I lose it. So I hope that answers your question. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Julie. Hi. Thanks, Ellie. Always an inspiration. Uh, how do you use program to get through, like, personal disappointments or when it seems like God is not answering your prayers? Um, first off, I do have to say that I don't specifically ask God for certain things. I did that as a child. I asked God to save my grandmother. She was eight years old when I passed away, and he didn't. So that God I had no use for for a long time. So it's really acceptance of what goes on uh, for me. So I don't ask higher power for anything that way other than to make me more patient, tolerant, compassionate, and understanding and it's either going to happen or it's not, or it's going to happen at some times, not at the others. So um, disappointment. I don't know that I have been. I can't think of an instance where I have recently been disappointed. Um I'm sorry, I can't. But again, that's practicing, you know, giving up my ideas of what would work for me and trusting that there's a better plan. Well, for instance, now it does take me back to 2006. My husband divorcing me, would I never would have thought that would have been the best thing that could happen. Well, you know, if you take it from there, I separated, I moved in with my girlfriend, I found OA, I stopped eating compulsively, I'm now in self-love, 
we can still talk to each other like friends, and I've become more authentic. So from the blessings of finding the 12 stepper to the blessings of today, you know, it, it's, I'm sure there were disappointments, but I really feel I've been taken care of. I really feel so. In 2011, I wanted to retire. Actually, in 2010, I wanted to retire. Five minutes, Ellie. Thank you. I don't know why it happened, but I decided to look through my contract. I was 63 at the time, and I thought I was, you know, my whole pension. I'm going to get my whole pension. I read it. If I waited till I was 64, I would get 90%. If I took it at 63, I would only get 80%. So I waited the three more months, and then I retired. Now, I can't tell you what made me go look at that. I hadn't looked at it in years. I don't know, Julie. Again, Coincidence, synchronicity, odd or God. I hope that answers. Uh, excellent. Ruth G. Hi. Thank you so much, Ellie, for your share. I heard you say that you like working with your sponsees on uh, choosing their higher power, and I'd love to hear about your process for that. Well, It's basically very similar. Thank you for the question, Ruth. It's very similar to how I found my higher power, which was to talk about what I, what characteristics I wanted from a higher power who's going to care about me and what happens. And so the characteristics are loving, loyal, um, compassionate, sympathetic, loving. can never say too much about loving. And then what I wanted my higher power to do. So I asked them to look at what they want their higher power to do for them. And... Generally, it winds up being very similar to what I've said about what I want my, I believe my higher power and unconditionally loving, wants the best for me, has my back, um, those kind of things. And often, uh, sponsees talk about their, the God of their childhood and how it doesn't work. And then, I talk to them about setting aside their old beliefs and to having a new concept, concept, their own perception of a higher power. That other one might exist, but you need one in your life today that will help you. What is it that you want to help you? In a workshop, I heard one uh, participant say that she thinks of a higher power as a loving parent. 
So whatever they think uh, they want their concept to be. This is pretty much right from the big book. Did that answer your question? Vincent, back to you. All right, thank you. I think we're at time. 